Hey, bowlers, Bowling This Month is back. Bowling This Month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at BowlingThisMonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Well, joining me now on the Above180.com podcast is Eric Vermilia. Eric bowled collegiately as a Nebraska Cornhusker. He's a member of Junior Team USA Support One. 2013 and 2015 eric's team was the team all events champions at the usbc open championship coincidentally both of those years they also finished in second place in team events so eric tim berg here thanks for joining me today no problem Tim. thanks for having me on so you guys left reno you're right now leading with a score of 96 72 Talk about, you know, that's a little bit short of where you guys came up last year in El Paso, but talk about if you think that score is going to hold up and then how you guys uh, just, you know, how the whole trip in general went in Reno. Sure, sure. Well, the, the simple answer to your, your question there is no, I, I don't think that one's going to hold up. Um, we certainly uh, battled and, and fought and, and gave it all we had to get what we did there. Um, you know, through about uh, a game and a half of doubles, it was looking awfully, awfully bleak for us, but we... We fought through. We actually almost ended up shooting 3,500 in singles to uh, to get to that number. So that's uh, you know we're we're still proud of that one. Um, I, if I had to guess, I would say probably something around 98, 98.50 or so. We'll probably win this year. Um, they're certainly challenging. They're, you know the patterns themselves are very similar to last year. Uh, our game plan going was very similar to last year. The uh, the biggest difference being it's uh, you know it's the it's the stadium, and the stadium is the stadium. So we certainly, uh, both pairs that we had for, for team and for singles and doubles, we had the right lane as just something that we really never figured out. Um, we kind of had, it, the ball just seemed to want to read a little bit earlier on the right lane and then just never really hooked down lane. So we, we fought it pretty good in team. We actually set them up pretty well. and We had a, a really good first two games, and we were actually ahead of our pace from the previous year. But then uh, game three, we just didn't carry anything. Uh, I personally, I think I had two, uh, two eleven or two fourteen in the last game with a pocket seven ten, a solid nine, and a couple ten pins. So we uh, we were a little disappointed with the team. We thought we bowled better than we than we scored. 
went in the singles and doubles awfully excited and it just uh it went went south right away on us and you know we just we were we were frankly we were confused we just kind of battled and fought and ended up you know grinding it out at the end there in singles we ended up getting awfully deep on the lanes when you watch the uh the live stream of us, I think I was almost in the 25 at the end there, which is the deepest I've been in probably four or five years of this tournament. And, uh, you know, we, we finished strong, so we're proud of that, and we definitely worked awfully hard for what we got. Yeah, so take us back to that last game of team when you guys said you felt you bowled better than what you carried. Do you think, looking back, was it something that your angles were a little bit off that you just weren't getting out the corner pins? Is it maybe a ball change? Is it surface? Or what would you guys change different, obviously, going back and looking at things? Well, and yeah, we had, we talked about this afterwards. Actually, <clears throat> we uh, we you know we played our right where we planned. We had them pretty much set up how we wanted. And middle of the game too, they were they were really nice. And then we just started move, you know, chasing the well line in. And all of a sudden, on the right lane, when we would move, it wouldn't go any longer. It would still read the front part of the lane. We'd move a little deeper, and it would still read the front part of the lane. And then you throw a little bit harder, and it would go sixty feet. And then we tried balling down, and it went sixty feet. So, unfortunately, I think we just caught one of those pairs in the stadium there. You know, for for years, there's always been a few landmines out there, and I think we just kind of kind of got one that wasn't that great, and we there wasn't a whole lot we could do about it, and we just kind of fought through it. And now that for what we had on that pair, you know, we we bowled awfully well. So you know, that happens. It, you know, every every bowling center in America, every install, you just catch a pair that's just not gonna not gonna like you all that much. So, yeah, you talk about your game plan for team. It was fairly similar to last year, and it's funny. I'll bring on guys like yourself and Mike Shady and Jeff Riggles and all, all these guys that have won Eagles, and they'll say, well, we're going to start out, we're going to break down the lanes around 5, 6, 7, 7, 8, 9, somewhere in there. But it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't always go – it's not that easy, right? Talk about just how, how challenging that is to actually, number one, to say this is what we're probably going to do depending on what we see out there, but then to actually go out there and execute it, you know, having a game plan or having a thought of how you're going to play the lanes – then executing that are two different things. Oh, very much. I mean, and, and honestly, our game plan every year is almost virtually the same, um, unless there's something really unique about the pattern or the distance or something. But essentially, we just start with kind of a medium-strong ball with medium surface as far to the right as we can play. Um, it, it, it's, it's certainly not as magical as just, you know, if we all throw out a five in practice, we're going to have them wide open. Um, you know, you have kind of a game plan, and you start playing it out, and if it goes well, great you end up shooting a number like we shot uh back in 2013 when we shot uh, 3500 but uh <clears throat> you know that's usually not the way it goes and that's kind of where our, you know, our team's strength is always the, the communication and the uh ability to understand what everyone's ball is doing and really honestly assess if it was a good shot or a bad shot and, and talk through it and make our moves so really the game plan is just simply the starting point and you just adjust on the fly from there and usually you know we our team's been awfully good at figuring out the right conclusion. <laughs> uh, so not so much this year. I think we kind of did what we could with what we had. But, uh, yeah, still very proud of our, our plan, our, our execution, and what we did. Just uh, didn't quite have the magic this year. So last year, 33-68 did end up winning the tournament. Are, do you think we're going to see a 3,400 this year? Is it out there in team? Um, I, I personally think it. I know, especially the look I had. Um, I had a really good look. I had 270 out of the gate and thought I was just going to kind of be off the running. Um, and, you know, there's definitely certain certain parts of the house play differently. And I can see a, a team of high-rev guys getting the right pair, probably shooting 34 and change. Or even a, a team of guys that are really good at going straight and kind of going right up that 5, 6, 7 mark. If they can get the right pair that has a little bit of hold spot, they could also do the same thing, so. Yeah, I, I think we'll right around that 34 will probably be the uh, winning score this year. 
And Eric, I'd be remiss I didn't mention here, folks. Before you head out and, and check this place out to stay, these are great sponsors of ours. It's the Nugget Casino Resort. Check them out, nuggetcasinoresort.com. Got a great room rate, $45. Weekday rate, $69. Weekend rate, use promo code GAB180 for your, that rate, and that, that rate includes your resort fees, so we have no hidden uh, fees there. Uh, with that rate, you're also going to get a $10 food credit per stay and two free drink coupons per person per stay, so great stuff there. Check them out. Um, 1,400 rooms, got a Gillies, free airport shuttle. It's about a uh, $5 Uber ride or cab ride if you're going to take it downtown. Great stuff out there. Check them out. Again, it's uh, NuggetCasinoResort.com for all the great information there. They uh, are going to treat you well. And again, use that promo code GAB180 for those two rates. Check them out. Aside from last year's USBC Open championship pattern, is there anything else that this pattern kind of reminds you of? Any of the Kego patterns? Any of the PBA patterns? Anything of that sort? Um, you know, and, and kind of in my opinion, you know, be it, whether it be the Kegel, um, the Kegel patterns or the WTBA patterns or, you know, even like the older version of Chameleon or, or the newer version of Viper, any one of those 38, 39, 40-foot sport patterns, they all share very similar similar characteristics, and they're all going to lend themselves to what the lane surface and topography is like. So, you know, really, in my opinion, a 40-foot sport pattern is generally just a 40-foot sport pattern. Um, you know, that, that same pattern that we bowled on for at the, at the bowling stadium to go for championship, you take it to your local bowling center and it's going to play way different. So, it, you know, it's almost hard to kind of say, you know, if the past experience on something will we'll play just like this. But, uh, you know, you, you kind of keep those same characteristics of, you know, the, the medium range bowling balls, medium surfaces, and just kind of, you know, as far right as you can be, and that's usually going to get you started in the right place on the open championships. Yeah, so talk about that. You guys are all throwing... Uh, except for I was watching your doubles. Um, Kristen was throwing Brunswick and DV8 equipment, but you guys were all with uh, Ebonite International. What was in the bag for most of your guys, and what were you seeing the best success with? And you can get in if you want with surfaces, or if, if you prefer not to, you, that's up to you, but just uh, some of the equipment that you've seen that's rolled pretty well out there. Sure. Well, I'll tell you what, this year it's, uh, I had no problem giving away what we did because, it, frankly, it didn't quite work out. So, <laughs> um, for, for team, the majority of, uh, of all of us, we used uh, Game Breaker 2s and Legion Solids were kind of the two balls that were uh, almost exclusively used. And for the most part, they're all pretty much at 2,000. Um, I know we used a combination of pin-up and pin-down uh, Legion Solids, and I used a Game Breaker 2 pin-down, and Novak used a Game Breaker 2 pin-down. And we really had good looks for them. They just, you know, got the ball to read the, kind of, read the middle of the lane and just kind of arced through the back. And we really controlled the lane well. And then uh, for, you know, unfortunately for the left side, Jeff just didn't uh, didn't really have much this year. He he worked awfully hard. He's, you know, even for a left-hander, he's on the lower rev rate side. And that's my firm, firmer ball speed. And uh, he his forte is playing that four, five, six, seven zone. And he just had nothing there. So he, he was forced into 9, 10, 11, 12, which for him is... Almost already playing six barrel, so he he struggled with uh, using trying to use a really strong ball to get to slow down. He threw a, you know, a hammer scandal, uh, delirium shock from Columbia, and just never really got a, a consistent read of what he was looking at. Uh, in single levels, it it was a little better for him. He had that extra foot of push and the delirium shock, and then a hammer dark legend looked uh, looked pretty good for him there. Um, on the right for singles and doubles, we ended up. And I, I'm not sure if it was entirely just the pair that we caught or or what, but we had to move way faster than we expected. And uh, we also went from those Sam Legion Solids and Game Breakers to 
much higher pins and much much less surface. Um, I was I was surprised I got into a Hammer Dark Legend with a pin up with no hole at about four thousand, and after about a half a game of that, it was too early also. And then I actually ended up throwing a uh, a box finish, which is shiny uh, track heat, which I I brought with kind of almost as an afterthought. I really thought never thought I'd take a look at it, and it ended up being the ball I used for singles. Um, same with Novak. He brought uh, just kind of his last ball in the bag was a, a real high pin uh, Columbia Swerve FX, again polished, and it's what he threw for singles as well. So again, not not really sure if that was just our pair or or what anomaly that was, but we ended up using shiny for probably the first time in four or five years at the end of singles. I was going to say I was watching. That was where I did actually catch some in and out of the live stream when when it was on, and it looked like you said like you guys were were really deep, and you had that nice little area where you could push it out to the right, and it would come back. And um, as long as you got it off your hand clean, it looked like it was a good reaction. But so someone who's building their arsenal, usually or sometimes you might dismiss those lower end pieces that are shiny, like you're saying. But it sounds like this year you at least want to bring one with for singles just in case. Sure. And, and you know, in my arsenal for the Open every year, I'll always throw in that, you know, I thought I mean, you're allowed to weigh in eight. I do my best to always get seven or eight out there. And I'll always bring one that's way stronger than I expect to use and one that's way weaker than I expect to use just in case. You know, for 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 a year like this, where you just really never know. But uh, yeah, I was you know surprised with how how the shiny stuff didn't look that bad for us, and actually ended up being the way to go. Um, you know, the sort of FX is a, a high end a high end ball, but again, shiny with uh, with high pins is just something that usually does not come into play at the Open Championship ever since they went to fresh for singles and doubles. But uh, this year, it's what really bailed us out there for singles. All right, Eric, a couple of personal questions here for you. Um, this is your 12th Open Championship. You're averaging 222. What are your goals for the USBC Open Championship? I mean, I'm taking a look here at the list of, uh, you know, minimum participation averages, and, you know, we're seeing Mike Shady up there at 222.86. You know, you go all the way through the list of people. What do you, what do you still want to accomplish yet? Uh, I mean, winning Eagles, obviously, but, I mean, do you have any of your own personal goals that you'd like to, you know, that you've set for yourself and like to be able to see your name on these lists of the 20- and 50-year participation and, and uh, an average? Yep. Yeah, that's actually a really uh, interesting question. Um, and really, just kind of this the last couple of years, it's kind of I've kind of reflected back on that a little bit. Um, you know, when I first started bowling, it was just we want to win Eagle. You know, just to have that on up there next to your name every year and be recognized as a champion was kind of the ultimate thing. And then then we won it. And then uh, when Tony won a second one, we kind of started thinking that man, you know, he's won two in a row. That doesn't happen very often. And then uh, when he won the third in a row with us, and I gave all the rest of us two as well, you know, there really aren't a whole lot of people in the world that have three eagles that are not also in the USBC Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, this tournament really can be just the piece that, that can single-handedly put you in that Hall of Fame now with uh, the way it's structured and the rules and the different categories. So, uh, you know, really the last year or so, my, my focus in the tournament has kind of just gone from trying to win that one eagle to knowing with the group that we have every year, if we go out and we have a great year, we have a great chance at an Eagle. And just to build that resume towards, you know, eventually, hopefully, someday maybe having a chance at the USBC Hall of Fame, which is something that, you know, I really never would have crossed my mind until about a year or so ago. And uh, especially for Tony now, having three and, and not just three, but three in a row like that, he's virtually guaranteed. I mean, he's, it's, it's just a, a surreal thing to even think. That just uh, you know a guy that we picked up one one year kind of on a whim because he didn't have a clear team to roll with and we've had all these great experiences and now it's just probably going to put him in the, in the Hall of Fame someday. It's just uh, it's an awesome awesome feeling. Well, great stuff there, Eric. A couple final questions. A lot of rules taking 
uh, effect here next year starting in 2017 as you guys will be looking forward to that a lot of people still have to bowl 2016 mm-hmm. but yep. what are your thoughts on some of those i guess the main main couple rules we'll hit on would be the the live stream like you guys were on that that all of us got mm-hmm. to watch and and uh, there's varying thoughts as far as if people can take from those either what to do or what not to do. And then I guess the other uh, two part to that would be as far as uh, releasing the pattern. Does it matter? It's, and um, how are you guys going to change if you are going to change your game plan moving forward? Well, sure. And, uh, you know, when all those rule changes were announced in the first place, there was an awful lot of chatter and, and complaining. And, you know, there's certainly both sides to the argument of for pretty much everything there. Uh, the live stream one, I personally didn't understand the reasoning. Um, you know, if you look back at last year, um, team, team NABR, who won team event, uh, they bowled middle April, and they were live-streamed. So everyone got to watch them bowl and, and saw what they did, and then had, you know, three and a half months to try and beat it, and no one could do it. Um, and the same with us. We bowled two weeks earlier, and the, uh, our singles doubles was live-streamed. So everyone, you know, got a, a front-row seat to our game plan, and no one was able to beat that either. So I don't... I don't quite understand that, but you know, again, with uh, you know, just the way the world budgets and, and whatnot with with USBC, they have other plans and they're going to move forward with it. And that's you know, that's just certainly something that they're uh, obviously they're entitled to. So I'm I'm disappointed. I I personally really enjoy watching the live stream. I've gone I've gone back and watched uh, you know a whole bunch of friends and and people will do some great accomplishments on there. So I'll, I'll miss that unfortunately, but uh, you know that uh, it is what it is. It's kind of what they say. The uh, the pattern one. Really, for us, it's not that big a deal. Um, kind of as I said before, I, I feel almost all those kind of medium distance uh, sport patterns have similar characteristics, and it really just comes down to the lane surface, the oil, and just the environment, which, you know, the, the pattern isn't going to tell you that anyways. So, you know, there, there was some crazy talk of maybe uh, when the tournament first starts to uh, having one or two of us go ahead and fly out there for a weekend and watch the bowling and try to take some notes. So that's uh, certainly on the table for... Uh, for next year still, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's really not that big a change. And, uh, you know, as long as they really are going to keep that pattern under lock and key and, and no one has access to it, level the playing field, and uh, they can certainly go right ahead. The, uh, there, there is one change for next year, though, that I am pretty pretty strongly against, and uh, I've been pretty free to tell anyone this, but uh, the change next year with the extra division and then awarding Eagles to all three division winners, I'm kind of strongly against. Um, I've always felt that that Eagle is one of the most prestigious things in the sport of bowling and to go ahead and kind of hand it out to all the divisions takes away from, uh, I guess that whole 113 years of tradition. So really kind of wish they'd reconsider that one and they still have time for next year. So maybe they're listening to this. Well, of course, uh, you're right. There is time, and I know a lot of the folks down there in Arlington do uh, do listen. So, by all means, uh, guys, take a listen and, and you know with Eric and hear what he says. One final question I had for you is: I, I know some of the talented guys that just left; they were right before you. Um, they, you know, people panic when we're in these situations, these tournament situations, where maybe we don't see something out out in team like we think we're going to. We all jump in. Well, can you uh, explain to people what happens if you jump in too early, and team especially? Oh, sure. Well, yeah, it's kind of the uh, the obvious answer when they're when they're tough and there's there's hook in the middle and there's hang to the right. Well, that gutter is right there on the right. Nobody wants to throw it in there, so everyone tends to migrate in. But uh, when you move in too fast, basically you end up uh, you drive through the front part of the lane in the middle of the lane, and you end up pushing oil at an angle away from the head pin. So, it, you know, it seems safe at first, and it can't actually work the entire first game because you're getting, you're having angle away from the pins. 
and you can create a little bit of hold, but then once that oil starts to transition down the lane, suddenly you essentially have hook in the front part of the lane and to the left of you, and you have hang to the right of you. So, and I think you, I, I believe uh, one of the teams that bowled early on with uh, with Chris Warren and Brian Smith, they bowled a pretty solid number, but they had almost all of those pins the first game. I think they shot 1,100 the first game, and that was pretty much it. I know they were very deep at the end. So that's that's kind of the uh, the thing we all try to avoid. You know, if you can stay to the right and kind of grind it out there for a little while, and then start to move in with uh, with straighter angles to the front, you can create more of that you know dry spot to the right of you, and then oil to the left of you instead of the opposite. And that's that's really the uh, the general game plan that we can look, that we go out there with every year. And Eric, one final thing before we go, have to mention bowlingthismonth.com. You want to check those guys out as well. Lots of great articles as far as how you can help improve your game and take your game to that next level. Just check them out at bowlingthismonth.com. They have tips. They have ball reviews. If you're looking for some new pieces, check those out there. You want to check them out. It's bowlingthismonth.com. They are bowling's best and most complete technical resources. Got a free newsletter, which is going to help you out, send you everything to your inbox. Looking at the website now. Talking about, uh, I know a lot of people like doing the switch grips or the locking grips, the it's, the uh, switch grips from Turbo. Check them out there. Got a great piece on duplicating thumb holes for a consistent release. That's something we're all looking for. Uh, great article here talking about entry angle and uh, Jeff Riggle's piece I'm seeing right now on how to attack the USB-C open pattern. So again, check that out, bowlingthismonth.com. Again, Eric Vermeulen joining us, one of the members, uh, the captain, I shouldn't say that, not just one of the members. You're the captain. You're the guy who helps keep everything uh, on float for the guys. Uh, the captain of Junior Team USA, Support One. So uh, happy you had some chan- a chance to join us after you just got in from Reno. So thanks for joining us, Eric. And, again, all the best, and we'll catch up with you down the road. No problem. I'll I'm very happy to be on. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to bowl with my team every year, and I'm just thrilled we, we're able to perform well enough to come on here and discuss it with you.